The Athletic. Mo Salah is in a slump. Well, that's what the stats read, anyhow. No goals in four Premier League games, just seven all season compared to 15 a year ago. Uh, so it's not the Mo Salah of previous years. What is going on with him and is it more than just a slump? I'm Mark Chapman. This is the Athletic Football Podcast. That's forward. Oh, Salah's there and scores! Well, the best of the best at getting to 100 league goals for Liverpool. Simikas, oh, Van Dijk jumps. Salah, goal! Mohamed Salah scores again for Liverpool. Mohamed Salah always scores for Liverpool. It feels like he's a lot less involved and a lot more detached. And there's an arm on it from Douglas Luiz, and Salah goes on. Well, he's annoyed at himself for not finishing it. He's finding it much harder to get past players because there are more of them near him. Salah into the box now. Salah hits it with his right foot, graceful by Mo Salah. I think he is beating himself up a little bit about that. Lovely ball measured for Mohamed Salah. And you needed a special moment from him there. Salah is is just too good a player and too talented for this slump to go on. So with us to discuss this one, the Athletics Liverpool reporter, James Pearce, and data editor, Duncan Alexander. I'll be honest with you, James, I hadn't really spotted that he was in a slump because there seems to be so much focus on other areas of Liverpool. Yeah, I think you're right. I think if you ask people to probably put up a list of big problems at Liverpool, Mo Salah wouldn't be wouldn't be anywhere near the top of it. And I think I think it is important to have a sense of perspective because, yes, his Premier League numbers are pretty bleak. But if you actually look at the overall picture, I think it's 17 goals in 29 games in all comps this season, which which is, of course, more than respectable. But, um, you know, that figure is kind of inflated by you know, four against Rangers who were all over the shop in the, the group stage of the Champions League. And, you can, yeah, you can't get away from the fact that for someone of his calibre, seven Premier League goals at the halfway point is 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 pretty startling, really. You know, I think it was it compared to fifteen at the halfway point a year ago. Um, but it's yeah, I think it's symptomatic, really, of of the fact that he's part of a Liverpool team which is misfiring in all departments. As James says, Duncan, perspective is important here. Uh, mainly because if we don't provide some perspective, we're all going to get pelters, Um, (laughs) particularly if this goes out on social media with the title Mo Salah's in a slump and then it's all just going to hit us. So perspective is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think we've kind of forgotten in the sort of Messi and Ronaldo era where players have been so consistent year on year that that traditionally footballers do have good and bad seasons and as James says the start of last season Salah was in incredible form probably the best form he's ever had in the Premier League and he was performing above his expected goals better than he ever had um, in his Premier League career now he sort of came back from the the African Cup of Nations and, and didn't really rediscover that form you know there's possibly various reasons why that is the case and it's kind of carried on this season in the Premier League as well. He's, he's once again sort of below his, his XG uh, rate that he's not really seen before in the Premier League. But I think, you know, he's such a good player. There's, there's plenty of time and space for him to come back. But as we've also talked about, there's, there's going to be team factors that influence this, not just, not just down to him. Uh, in a minute... Uh, on the pod, Duncan is going to talk us through a graph. And if that doesn't keep you listening, then I really don't know <laughs> what will uh, uh, on this one. Uh, but what what prompted you to do the article, James? 
Because at the moment, you every article feels like, what's going on with Liverpool's midfield? <laughs> what's going on with Liverpool at the back? How can they integrate Darwin Nunez into this or the signing of Cody Gakpo? So what what was the trigger to go, and actually, I wonder if there's something wrong with Mo Salah? Well, do, do you know what it was? I think it was coming away from Anfield on Saturday and, and, and just thinking how little he was able to impact the game. And you're talking about, you know, one of the most kind of prolific marksman in the, the Premier League era, someone who's been a, a match winner for Liverpool so many times. And then when I looked at the data, it was like, well, actually, yeah, didn't have a shot on target against Chelsea. Go back to the last Premier League game. He didn't have a shot on target against Brighton. And it was actually the same at Brentford. You know, that, and that, that is pretty remarkable for, for Mo Salah to go three successive Premier League games without uh, a shot on target. Only three shots across was that you know, 270 minutes altogether for him? And it just, it, it kind of just fed into this feeling that it feels like he's a lot less involved and a lot more detached. And, um, you know, the, the our, our data guys, what they were able to dig out, you know, back that up in terms of, you know, his touches of the ball per 90 are down to 39 a game, you know, this, this season, which is, you know, way down. It was up in the 50s the last couple of seasons, you know, touches in the attacking box, only just over seven per 90 minutes. Again, by far and away, the lowest figure during his, his Liverpool career. So, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, not only, not what that shows is not only is he, you know, getting less of the ball, Liverpool are feeding it to him less often, but he's also getting it in less dangerous areas and where it's much easier for, for teams to deal with him. And that that is essentially a big reason why the goals have dried up. Various issues to to expand on there, but but let's deal with with the graph then, Duncan. Which is his goals compared with expected goals. I've got the graph in front of me. It resembles a, a cardiograph in in some ways. But you've yeah. you've sort of you've sort of you've got the goals that he scored compared to what he was expected to score over the last five seasons, four or five seasons. Yeah, since since he joined, oh, it's from twenty eighteen nineteen. But yeah, I mean, essentially. As you'd expect from someone like Salah, you know, for most of 2018-19, obviously winning the title in 1920, and, and even 2021 when Liverpool obviously had various issues at, at different points in the season, he was pretty much ahead of his of his uh, expected goals in terms of his actual goal output. Now, as James touched on a minute ago, you know, he he was having a lot of shots. He regularly was getting into sort of three figures for, for shots on target and things like that because he was so involved. And as we mentioned earlier, like the start of last season, he was really, really good, almost like the best version of him um, himself. But that really has fallen away. And now we we've seen this before with players. You know, we've seen. I remember Didier Drogba had seasons when he'd score like twenty nine goals one year and then drop away to scoring only five the following year. So these variations do happen. And as pointed out earlier, you know, he's he's hasn't notched up the fastest uh, ever Champions League hat trick this season. Did it five seconds faster than Tiny Dancer by Elton John, which is you know something all players want to tick off. So, um, but I think the key thing for that that hat trick actually against Rangers was that Diego Jota assisted all three of those goals, and I think that's a player Liverpool probably. I think he doesn't get mentioned as much as as maybe others in terms of the players that are missing. But I think he's such a kind of energetic player playing up there that I think he distracts defenders in the way that Firmino did in his peak um, giving Salah time and space to do what he does and at the moment teams can feel confident that they can kind of double mark Salah if they need to and you know and and mark him out of games as, as we've seen. 
on on the on the personnel issues because the the obvious thing I suppose James is to go well there's no Mane this season and that must be the biggest difference in in Liverpool's forward line and how much that affects Mo Salah but Duncan's point is maybe more interesting is that the one he is missing who is still at Liverpool is Diogo Jota yeah I, I think there's a lot of factors in there and I do think he has been hampered by just all that chopping and changing that that has been down to two reasons really one the, the biggest factor being the injuries that Klopp has faced and the second one the fact that you know because so many players are struggling for form he's had to keep changing it to try and find solutions and it it, it can't be easy when you know what was it against Chelsea you had a front three of Elliot Gagpo Salah game before in the Premier League it was Oxley Chamberlain part of that front three you know, at Brentford, Nunes was the central striker. You go back before that, uh, I think the last game before the World Cup, Firmino was the central striker. And of course, Firmino and, and Nunes couldn't be more different, really, as as two number nines. So, so yeah, I think there definitely is a, a large part of it in terms of that adaptation process of of the, the shift in the qualities, really, and the uh, in terms of the, the the Liverpool front line and. And I think I think also just it, it does tie in with the midfield for me as well. The fact that Liverpool just don't have that solid basis to control games. There's no cohesion this season. It, you know, it, it's been so easy to play through them. I, I just think that has hurt Salah as well. I, I can think of two or three examples at, at Brighton the other week when, you know, as Klopp said himself, that was as, as bad as it's been during his reign. And and Salah had two, three, four players swarming all over him at times. So he was so isolated. And there has been far too much of a gap between him and the other attacking players. And and and, and that has really kind of dented, you know, his his potency. So um so yeah, get you know, getting Jota back in the next couple of weeks should certainly help on that front because he's a very intelligent footballer and very much appreciated by his teammates and the staff there. And obviously. Diaz isn't too far away either. So, you know, getting those back at the top end of the field and obviously Klopp having more time to to work with Nunes and Gagpo who are, are clearly still adapting to what's demanded of them should should hopefully have a you know a positive knock-on effect on Salah. J- James talks about the, the evidence on the eye of maybe how of how teams are, are are focusing on Salah or trying to negate Salah. Is there is there anything in the numbers that shows actually teams are going we could pay more attention to Salah because we feel, rightly or wrongly, that there is less danger elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. His sort of effectiveness with carries and dribbling has gone down this season to his to his lowest level. And I think that is because he's finding it much harder to get past players because there are more of them near him. You know, it's as simple as that, I think. And and it is, you know, players do adapt as they get older and he's now in his 30s and he's probably not got quite as much pace as he did when he first joined Liverpool but he's still a, a very quick player and he's still got that ability but we also can't rule out confidence you know uh, if you go a few games without having a shot on target it doesn't matter who you are even if you're Mo Salah you're still that will hit your confidence and I think we saw against Chelsea at the weekend a couple of chances he took when you know I think he probably snatched at them a little bit and I think that is someone that is is desperate for a goal and one thing I think shouldn't be factored out, actually, is 
Liverpool haven't had a penalty in the Premier League this season. Now, Salah's, you know, a regular supply of goals he got from penalties in his career at Liverpool. And, you know, I know some people would argue that a penalty goal is not quite the same as a non-penalty goal, but just seeing the ball hit the back of the net every few weeks via that method, I think, keeps things ticking over for players, even if they're not doing it elsewhere. So that's, um, obviously, that's quite unusual for a team like Liverpool not to go, uh, or to go through a season without getting a penalty. But, um, yeah, that's something to, to flag as well. I can very much say from working with former players who were penalty takers that they view penalties as as valid as uh, <laughs> as non-penalties when it comes to their goal-scoring record. Just the other one on the stats, and and then we can explore the confidence actually. But if he, if his if his carries and, and and dribbles have have dropped, are are the numbers down on how much Liverpool are feeding the ball to him? You know, James has talked about the. The shifting of the midfield, change of midfield. Trent Alexander-Arnold has at times struggled this season as well. So the lines of supply to him are either out of form at times or or massively inconsistent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Alexander-Arnold's a good one in, in the sense that, you know, he's been posting assist numbers the last few seasons that a you know, attacking midfielder would be proud of. And, and this year that's really dropped off. You know, one of his only assists um, was actually left-footed, which was, was quite rare for him. So, yeah, that, that supply line. But I think, you know, at their peak the last few years, Liverpool were this incredible machine that everything functioned almost perfectly, but, you know, one, one bit being off and everything fell apart quite quickly. I think, you know, quite a few bits are not working this season and that's kind of spread throughout the team. And it's almost like... You know, Jurgen Klopp fixes one bit, but then another. It's like a sort of a car, an old clown car, where the you know the, the hubcap falls off, and then you know you go around and try and fix that. Isn't it? It's. I think they're. I think they're actually closer than they look to to functioning well again. It's just you know when it doesn't function well, more than some teams, I think it really is obvious. When was the um, When was the last time James Jurgen Klopp started the the same eleven? Do you know? It looked like you were going to come in there, Duncan. Maybe I should have come to you because you'll have it. You'll, you'll probably have numbers and lineups in front of you. Well, no, I'm just actually doing a piece this week, um, looking at sort of settled lineups, and obviously, you know, you get certain teams that really do hit their stride in terms of an eleven. I think we're seeing that with Arsenal this season. You know, um, they've got seven players who played, who started every game. Obviously, Gabriel Jesus would have done if he hadn't got injured, and it's that kind of familiarity, I think, that that has help them, you know, build that lead at the top of the table. And you can argue that it, it was funny this weekend because I thought that the Saka's goal against Manchester United was quite reminiscent of the a goal Salah scored against Chelsea a few years ago when he cut in and, and hit it. You know, and it feels like at the moment that, that sort of front three of Arsenal are, are sort of functioning in a way that the front three of Liverpool did did for so long. But But also, actually, with Arsenal, with a midfield three behind them functioning in a very smooth way as a Liverpool midfield three would have functioned a couple of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Confidence, then. James, I think you mentioned the AFCON and and supporters go back to that. 
as maybe when this goal drought began. Was he... Did his confidence take a knock after AFCON, do you think? Do you know? Oh, yeah, I think 100%. I don't think... I think it wasn't just AFCON, was it? It was it was the, the heartache of AFCON quickly followed by, you know, a very similar feeling of deflation in that in that World Cup playoff against Senegal as well. It was two absolute body blows in, in quick succession on the international stage. And you know, it's and we know that Mo Salah really feels that. You know, it's I don't I don't there's probably not another player in world football I can think of who, you know, it's who kind of carries the weight of a nation almost single-handedly on his shoulders like he does in terms of the gulf between him and and most of his his teammates. And so yeah, that that certainly that that certainly I think is a part of it. You know, he was still. You know, I think it can be get it can be overblown a bit. He was still you know effective in a Liverpool team that still went on and and won both domestic cups and missed out on the other two big trophies by the most narrow margins. But yeah, I think there was definitely a feeling at Liverpool that he probably as much as anyone needed that summer break. I think you know the but it, you know the frustration obviously is the fact that he did have that extended summer break. He also had. You know, let's not forget all that uncertainty and over his contract saga came to a successful conclusion. Um, you know, there was certainly a feeling at Liverpool that, that that would help kind of lift a weight as well, not having to let that to continually follow him and be, you know, the questions being asked all the time about what his future held. You know, Liverpool made him the most, you know, highest paid player in the club's history on a deal in excess of £350,000 a week. Um, but some, some people will say, James, that that can that can have an effect the other way. I mean, I've, I've always thought with Mo Salah that was highly unlikely. Yeah, oh as in, yeah. As in, I've got, I've got the massive, the massive contract, you know, let's, let's light a cigar and sit on the beach. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. And, and I've seen various pundits throw that at him, you know, over the course of this season when he hasn't been firing and people obviously throw in, you know, Ozil and Aubameyang, their names into the mix and, and say, oh, you know, this is what happens when you give someone, you know, a deal like that. But I, I think that's absolute nonsense. And if you speak to anyone at Liverpool, it would, people that play with him or work with him on a daily basis, they'll tell you that's absolute nonsense. That's that's not Mo Salah. If, if anything, I think it goes the other way because I, I think having signed that contract, he puts a hell of a lot of pressure on himself as well. And I think, you know, he would have he would have been especially looking to channel that disappointment from last season. And he would have expected not only massive things of himself this year, but massive things of his team. And neither of those things are happening. And, and I think, I think he has beaten himself up a little bit about that. I think you see that as much as, you know, the other element when I was looking into the numbers for this piece was as much as he's seeing less of the ball and seeing less of the ball in dangerous areas, when he is getting the ball in dangerous areas, he's nowhere near as as kind of potent as we've seen previously, and that uh, I think Dun- as Duncan touched on, you know, it's I, w- I was looking back through White Scout at some of the chances he has missed, and and he's got himself in some unbelievable situations. I think at, you know at, at Villa Park, and there was you know one at Brentford against Brighton, um, even the one against Chelsea last weekend. It was you know it, it was only a half chance, but how many times have we seen that on that you know that right side of the penalty box? He comes inside onto his left. You know, I can think of four or five times that you know it's there's almost been an air of inevitability. He's going to whip it into that far corner. Yeah, you know, he, he got the finish horribly wrong. And I think obviously the wider environment probably doesn't help him at the moment because confidence is in short supply across that Liverpool squad. But yeah, he, he certainly looks to me like someone at the moment 
who just needs who just needs something to go his way because it's not happening. I'd be surprised if any Liverpool players' stats were were up this season compared to previous seasons of of the regulars. And and I think Duncan, maybe that brings us back to you know, James mentioned. Yeah, they won both cups last season, but but they they missed out on the finest of margins on the other two. And again, you talk to to, to ex pros, you know that that what if. Of, of the fine margins of the bigger two in some way will outweigh the winning the two cups when it mm. comes to when it comes to confidence yeah I think I mean James will know better than me but I think it feels like the Champions League was the bigger one in terms of that in sense of, of you know the game I mean that Liverpool played so well in, in that match they absolutely you know on XG should have won that European Cup by miles but they didn't and I think that when that happens, that that really is, you know, it, basically the season ends at that point, so it's away for the summer then, and it's it is hard to get over. And yeah, I think that's that's a very valid point. But I think, you know, Salah is is just too good a player and too talented for this for this slump to go on for a long time. I think, you know, I think there's plenty of football left this season, and there's there's going to be plenty of chances. And I think, yeah, he's he's definitely. He's still doing the stuff that made him great. He's just not quite got that instinctive one percent at the top. But I think you know that we've seen we saw we saw Harry Kane a few seasons ago. He he had a season when he really had this sort of um, experience, and you know he's back to his best now. So um, you know they're not massively different in age, the two players, Salah and Kane. So yeah, I, I'm fully expecting him to to uh, to hit the ground running soon. I, no, and the final thing on confidence and slump is as as Duncan said, James, it has happened to. Probably with the exception of Ronaldo and Messi, who everybody seemed, everybody else seems to be judged by, and maybe this will be Haaland going forward uh, as well. Who knows? But every every great striker that any of us can think of has had a slump at some point. And you know, for younger listeners, even Shearer. I, I, I mean, there was talk ahead of Euro '96 of Shearer mm. not being picked for England <laughs> because he hadn't scored in a year, a year or something. And 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 it was you talked to him, and it was about Terry Venables continuing to give him confidence to say, "Look, you haven't scored, but you are my my main striker." It happens, bar bar Ronaldo and Messi, and although maybe someone will show me a <laughs> where they had a goal drop, but it, it happens to everyone. Yeah, it does, and I think I think you're right. You know, I, I, for for so so long, you know, a, a striker who scored one in every two games was was lauded as like, you know, the absolute top of his profession, wasn't he? And it's only, you know, I think you're right, Messi and Ronaldo's completely skewed that. And yeah, all players go through spells like this. And I, I, I'd, I'd go along with Duncan. I, I, don't, I don't see this as like, you know, the, the beginning of the end for Mo Salah or, you know, it's, this is a player past his, his peak. I, I just think, you know, as Liverpool will improve, he will improve with them again because I think he's far too good a player to to keep firing blanks in the way he has done at the moment. And 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 in terms of the confidence thing, I think Duncan's right to reference the, the penalties because you know five of his Premier League goals were penalties last season, six penalties the season before. Liverpool have gone longer than any other Premier League team without a penalty. I think it's twenty seven league games now, the longest Liverpool have gone without a penalty since nineteen ninety seven. So. And just a little thing like that, you know, just one moment like that, feeling the ball hit the back of the net again, could be could be the thing that that Salah needs to to get him back up and running. But um, but no, with 
especially with Jota and, and Diaz to return. I think, you know, and as Gagpo and Nunes get more settled, I'm, I'm sure we'll see him flourish again. So if, if everyone's available, if everybody is fit and Liverpool play the same system, what, what will be their first choice front three? Let, let's say for the Real Madrid Champions League game, if everybody was fit. Yeah, if what, everyone... What's their, what's their front three? Well, um, I, I think it would be... Diaz, I, th- I still think, would be first choice on the left-hand side. Salah on the, <clears throat> Salah on the right and, and Nunes through the middle. You know, what, what Klopp would tell you is obviously he, he likes the, the fact that, you know, that, that, he's, that he, you know, when everyone's fit, he'll have so many nice permutations and, and possibilities with the fact that, you know, Jota can obviously play left, he can play central. Same with Gagpo, although, you know, I think he's got to be cut some slack because, you know, it's, it's been a difficult place to walk into and try and make a big impression so far. And, and of course, Firmino has proved this season he's still got a lot to offer and, is obviously a very different type through the middle. But yeah, I think when everyone's fit, I think for me that would be, yeah, Diaz, Nunes and and, and uh, Salah. He doesn't really have competition for that right-side role, does he, Salah, Duncan? I mean, even even, even all the transfers that have come into Liverpool in, in the last 18 months, two two years, they like, they like, mind you, it's a, that's the trend in football, isn't it? Everybody wants to come off the left. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess Harvey Elliott can, can play there, but... But um, I think the, the Nunes thing is important as well. You know, I think before Nunes got his injury, there were signs that they were linking up a bit better. There was the obviously the the, the goal line clearance from Ben Mee at Brentford, where Salah played in Nunes really well, and that was you know they, I think there is the beginning of a good understanding between those two. But you know, just as that was starting to bear fruit, you know, Nunes uh, injured his hamstring, so you know, but he he should be back. Uh, well, he is back now, so um, so I think that's something to focus on as well. So yeah, it's as we've been saying, it's it's fine margins, and I think a couple of things click, and I think it could be you know a much improved uh, next few months. Would would data suggest in any way that there could be a different role for him going forward? I mean, could could he be a front two with with Nunez? Is there? We've we've seen many again going back through history, see many people, many many front players evolve in the latter stage of their career to play, you know, a different role than what they started out as. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and we've seen it, you know, we, we mentioned Harry Kane already, but we saw him play deeper last season and, yeah. and play, you know, almost as a 10. But this season, he's very much not doing that. And, you know, his assist numbers have, have gone down and his goals have consequently gone up. So I think the, the, the top players can, can kind of do it all, really. I think, you know, Liverpool have experimented with, with Salah, as a central player at various points. Sometimes it's worked, sometimes less. But I think he's on form. He's so devastating coming in from that that right flank. You know, I said to someone earlier in the week, actually, it's funny, is that you look at players like Saka and Salah, like 20 years ago, they'd have just been stationed on the left wing because they're left-footed. You know, it's yeah. it's such it's been such a change in, in how teams create chances and build build attacks. And I think it is it is much more effective the way teams do it now. But that doesn't mean that mixing it up occasionally won't help you know, Salah get a goal that which then boosts his confidence, which then starts a, a good run. Although occasionally it would be nice just to see a winger on on the <laughs> correct wing, wouldn't it? I mean, or am I just old fashioned? Just sometimes, just sometimes, yeah. just go around the outside and whip it in. <laughs> yeah, for the big man. <laughs> uh, James, flexibility going forward. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I must must admit, I do like it when um, when 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 Klopp has played him through the middle at times, I think it does ask 
different questions. And I think I think also what it does is, especially in a misfiring, malfunctioning team, it also gets Salah on the ball in in more central areas where he can hurt teams. Because I, th- I think that's been a problem for Liverpool this season as well. Is is because the fluency just hasn't been there, and the link up with Trent Alexander Arnold down that right hand side, you know, hasn't asked anything like the number of questions as last season. It is that Salah has been spent too long stuck out there in, in areas where he can't hurt teams. And you know, even even that, you know, the hat trick he scored at Ibrox was, you know, he came on through the middle. It was suddenly he was he was in a he was in an area of the pitch where where he was able to to find space and 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 absolutely torment opponents. So yeah, I, I can I can see that happening as the you know, because I think as the time goes on and he when when inevitably that bit of pace does start to disappear in terms of being able to burst past opponents because he's certainly strong enough. You know, he, that's the other thing with Salah. He's not a winger that you you worry about. Though he's got the the physicality to play centrally. He's you know he's incredible. Really, the the, the ability to hold off defenders. So yeah, it's. I mean, I, in fact, it was something I'd like to have seen Klopp do last weekend against Chelsea because I I didn't think it the balance looked all wrong with Harvey Elliott stuck on the left. You know, he, that's not a position where he's content it would have made to me a lot more sense to play Gagpo on the left Harvey Elliott on the right and, and Salah through the middle uh, James uh, Duncan we will leave it there um, Walk On is the Athletics Liverpool podcast and that's twice weekly if you want to listen to that uh, the articles that the three of us have been talking about from from James and Duncan are on The Athletic now and by going to theathletic.com slash football pod you can subscribe for just £1.90 month for a year we'll be back with another episode tomorrow so if you follow us wherever you get your podcast you'll never miss a show see you then the athletic <laughs>